University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. Well, last week, we dove into Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. And we saw how this Samaritan was the last person that Jesus' Jewish listeners expected to be good. But how this example of kindness and self-sacrifice showed them and us what it means to be a neighbor to anyone who crosses our path. And it gave us a challenging, though very clear, picture of Jesus' vision for the kingdom of God. And of course, these parables that we've explored over the last several weeks all give us a slightly different angle about what this kingdom of God looks like. And we've seen generally, though, that God's kingdom is not something that is far off in a distant realm, but right here on earth among us even if it's not fully revealed or established. And of course, this is where we come in, as those who are empowered to partner with God, to partner with God in bringing the kingdom to fruition among us. Well, our passage today is one that we would do well to read in the context of this Good Samaritan parable. It comes right after it, actually, in Luke chapter 11. And it's about what has become known as the Lord's Prayer, as well as a parable and then some teaching that Jesus gives afterwards. So I invite you to hear now these words from Luke chapter 11. We'll read them all, 1 through 13, together to hear them in their fullest context. It says he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place. And after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us into the time of trial. Imagine he continues, that one of you has a friend, and you go to that friend in the middle of the night. Imagine saying, friend, loan me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has arrived, and I have nothing to give him. Imagine further that he answers from within the house, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. Imagine that. I assure you, even if he wouldn't get up to help because of his friendship, he will get up and give his friend whatever he needs because of his shamelessness. And I tell you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. Whoever seeks finds. To everyone who knocks, the door is open. Which father among you would give a snake to your child if the child asks for a fish? If a child asks for an egg, what father would give the child a scorpion? If you, 
who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Comments of being evil aside that the disciples, I'm sure, might have bristled out a little bit. This entire teaching from Jesus begins with a request from the disciples. They say, Lord, teach us how to pray. It's not insignificant that Jesus often goes by himself in order to pray. It seems to be something that he was deeply committed to, often leaving behind crowds of people clamoring for his attention in order to spend an evening in quiet solitude with God. His disciples surely see this, and so they finally ask him to teach them how to do the same. This very question, I think, should strike us. Shouldn't we assume that the disciples already know how to pray? That seems like a given. Well, at the very least, it seems that they didn't know everything. Fred Craddock, a very well-known preacher, puts it this way. He says, Notice that the text treats prayer as a learned experience, not simply a release of feelings. Discipline is clearly implied here. Perhaps prayer requires technique, training, discipline, and commitment. Perhaps prayer is hard, and that's why the disciples ask for help. Doing their best to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, recognizing something that they lack, something that perhaps they don't know how to do yet, they ask him to teach them how to pray. Thomas Merton, you may be familiar with, who has influenced millions with his writings on prayer, put it this way. He said, we do not want to be beginners, but let us be convinced of the fact that we will never be anything else but beginners all of our life. If each of us are honest with ourselves, I think we will realize that we all have much to learn, always. Prayer is sometimes thought of as simply a way for us to ask God for things, to ask God for what we want. But prayer is much, much more, as we read it in the scriptures, than simply petitioning God for things. Prayer seems to be about as mysterious an endeavor as anyone could imagine undertaking. At its core, prayer is communion with God. It's communion with the divine, communion with something entirely outside of ourselves, deeper than the deepest parts of ourselves. And really, what audacity must we humble humans have to even attempt such a thing? When you really think about it, maybe it's not so strange that the disciples ask Jesus how to pray. Of course, if the prayer that we read this morning sounded a bit strange to your ears, it's likely because the version that we're used to, that we're most familiar with, the one that over time made its way into the lexicon of the church, is actually from the Gospel of Matthew. Luke's version is a little bit shorter, though both are very, very similar. The central focus, of course, is the kingdom of God. And Jesus prays, your kingdom come. 
not help us reach the kingdom or help us get to the kingdom, but God, bring your kingdom here because we desperately need it. This is a communal prayer, something that we could imagine praying as a church, a cry for God's kingdom to come to the whole world. And if God's kingdom is one of justice for the oppressed, care for the poor, love between neighbors and enemies, a kingdom in which all wrongs are made right, well, it certainly doesn't look like it's arrived yet. Especially in these times of pandemic, of visible and overt racism in our society, of climate crisis, economic and financial hardship for many, hunger for millions around the world. Our need and desire for this kingdom is palpable, and it hopefully stirs our hearts to long for change stirs our hearts to prayer. The disciples face their own hardships and deep longing for healing, and so they ask Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. Well, Jesus also responds, as we read, with a parable about a man asking his neighbor for a favor in the middle of the night. Now, it's helpful to have a little bit of cultural context. We've encountered numerous times how the culture that Jesus inhabited was one that was hyper-focused on hospitality and on honor and shame. In this time and place, people would often travel at night because of the heat of the day. And so one might very well arrive in a town in the middle of the night after many had already gone to sleep. And when one arrives, in the middle of the night, in a town in first century Palestine, it was expected that their host would be hospitable, that they would provide them a much-needed meal and some rest. And if they didn't, not only would they gain a reputation for being inhospitable and unhelpful, but their entire town might as well. Wouldn't really be a place many people would want to go. For whatever reason, the host in Jesus' parable isn't prepared, and so he goes to a friend. We might think upon a first reading that this friend refuses to help, and this passage has often been read that way. But if we take a closer look, we might see something slightly different. One commentator has written that when we see Jesus say here, imagine such and such, we might instead want to hear him saying, can you imagine? Can you imagine if in the middle of the night you needed bread for your friend who had just arrived and your neighbor refused to help you? Can you imagine such inhospitality? The implication being, of course, that the disciples would say, of course not. Who would do such a thing? It was unthinkable in their time and place. Of course people will answer such a call. Of course they will respond. Even if this man doesn't respond because of his friendship, Jesus says, he will respond because of his shamelessness. The word shamelessness, by the way, 
This is one of those strange instances where a word is only used once that we can find in the scriptures. It's the Greek word anadeia. It's often translated as persistence. And sometimes gives the implication that the man knocking on the door just won't leave the other one alone. The word, though, in just about every other context outside of the Bible is a positive quality of shamelessness, someone who does not have shame, but who exhibits honor. And it's applied here to the sleeping man, who even though he's annoyed, even though he has to climb over his children, waking everybody up, he will still respond out of obligation in order to maintain his honor. Well, then Jesus goes on to say, how much more than one such as this will God give God's spirit to those who ask? The whole point of this parable that Jesus tells is that God is so much greater than this sleeping man, than someone who responds simply out of obligation, even if it's a good obligation. The whole point is that God responds to all who ask out of a great love that cannot even be fathomed. Jesus is clear in his teaching that God is faithful and will respond to all who ask. And I'm sure that we can point to numerous examples of God responding even to our own prayers. And yet, when we look at history, perhaps when we look at our own lives, we might also have examples of the opposite. How many prayers for healing have seemingly gone unanswered? How many stories have we heard of someone who is sick being prayed for by numerous people and not finding health? How many stories have we heard of people praying for the world around us? How many prayers have we offered and yet we continue to find the world devolving into seeming chaos and strife. Is God not listening? Does God not hear us? It's certainly understandable for us to hear these words of Jesus that everyone who asks receives to compare it to our own life experience and to wonder if we're missing something. Now, there's an old joke. Maybe you've heard it before. I'll ask you to humor me for a second. It goes like this. A preacher found himself in the midst of a great storm with the floodwaters rising around him, and so he begins to pray on the front steps of his church. Well, a local resident comes paddling up on the now-flooded street in his canoe, and he says, you better get in, preacher. The water's rising really fast. Well, that's okay, friend. I have faith in God. God will help me. Well, the waters continue to rise, and now the preacher's up on the balcony when another man rides up in a speedboat. Preacher, get in. We don't have much time. Well, that's okay, friend. I have faith in God. God will help me. After a while, the levee breaks, and now the flood rushes over the whole church, and all that's left is the steeple on the roof. A helicopter comes by, and a state trooper yells down and says, Grab the ladder. There is no more time. Well, that's okay, friend. I have faith that God will save me. 
predictably the preacher drowns. And he finds himself in heaven, and he asks God, Lord, I had so much faith that you would help. Why didn't you deliver me from the flood? And God responds, more did you want from me? I sent two boats and a helicopter. It's a silly joke, but maybe the answers are right in front of us, and we've just missed them. We've seen in Jesus' message about the kingdom of God that God is after partnership with us in bringing this kingdom to earth. We're not passive bystanders simply waiting for God to intervene, but we're called to be bearers of good news to the world around us as we respond to God's call in our lives. Prayer is actually very, very active. The Apostle Paul goes as far as to call us the body of Christ on earth. That's a big job. Jesus concludes his teaching on prayer, of course, by saying, how much more will God give his Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It may be that the answer to many of our prayers is God's Spirit empowering us to be the answer. Mother Teresa is famously quoted as saying, I used to pray that God would feed the hungry or do this or that, but now I pray that he will guide me to do whatever I'm supposed to do, whatever I can. I used to pray for answers, but now I'm praying for strength. I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us, and we change things. This, of course, is not to deny that God can have very real influence around us in the world. But I think it also goes to say that prayer often might be more about changing us than changing God more about opening ourselves to be aligned with God's spirit and God's mission in the world than simply a passive request for intervention. So when Jesus' disciples ask him how to pray, he talks about the kingdom of God, and he tells them that God is faithful and will answer by giving God's spirit to all who ask. Our world is certainly broken, but God is not. Our human institutions fail us daily. But God does not. When Jesus' disciples ask him to pray, he calls them to partnership in healing the world. Prayer becomes the mode by which we align ourselves with God's Spirit. That as we pray for God's kingdom to come, as we pray for the Holy Spirit, we might find that God's answer to our prayers is our very own empowerment to bring God's kingdom around us. Though these are dangerous prayers to pray. We better be ready to pray these prayers, to pray God bring your kingdom, because God may very well say, okay, you go do it. Just as Jesus taught the lawyer in our parable last week, through the example of the Good Samaritan, to go and do likewise. So we might be challenged to be a part of answering our very own prayers. So, this week, may we be bold enough to pray, Thy kingdom come. 
May we be bold enough to ask for God to bring healing to our world, knowing that God might just call us to be a part of doing that. May we be bold enough to ask, to seek, to knock, and to pray. In spite of the brokenness in the world around us, maybe even because of the brokenness in the world around us, knowing how much more God desires to empower us with the Spirit to be a part of that work. Amen. Our time of reflection this morning is a time of silent reflection. During this time, we invite you to pray in whatever way God leads you. Perhaps God will speak a word to you about something that He may even be calling you to today or this week.